0: Welcome to episode one twelve of the Marvel Studios News Podcast. My name is Sean Gerber, and I am happy to be joined by the one and only Paul Herman. Paul, how's it going?
1: It is going uh, higher, faster, far. Which one did I screw that up? <laughs> higher, I further, don't faster.
0: Know. Yeah. It is
1: higher, or further, or faster. I yeah. thought it was higher, farther, faster. Yeah. I bet it didn't make any sense. So, yes. But I'm doing all three of those things together all at once for this uh, Captain Marvel review. So I am, uh, I'm pu- I'm I'm kind of pumped, actually. I was really excited to – anytime we do a movie review, it-, it always gets me a little pumped up unless it's Ant-Man and the Wasp. But that's a whole other story.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it-, it was actually higher, further, faster, more originally in the comics. And then Marvel ah. just cut it to uh, higher, further, faster, for the movie. And I get it, because more's is just kind yeah. of open-ended. So uh, anyway, this is, of course, our Captain Marvel spoiler review. We are recording this on Sunday night. We are posting it on Sunday night for everybody over at patreon.com slash News. everybody who supports us over there. They get it a day early, and then everybody else is getting this on Monday night. Speaking of our Patreon, thank you very much to Carl O'Neill Ian McQuig, sorry if I butchered that name. Chad Ginter and Clark Blackburn—they're the newest patrons over there. Have access to all kinds of exclusive content, Patreon credit scenes where we do additional discussions on top of our main episodes. Uh, we also do weekly Q and A episodes, two weekly Q and A episodes. There's a daily bugle that runs Monday through Friday with me breaking down the latest news. All kinds of stuff available over at Patreon.com/slash Marvel Studios News. So this is going to be. Our spoiler review for Captain Marvel, the operative word there being spoiler. This is intended only for those of you who've seen the film. So if you haven't seen it, please put a pin in this episode now and then come back after you've seen the film. But if you are still listening, then it's totally your fault if you got spoiled and then try to say after the fact that you didn't want to be because you continued listening past the spoiler warning. There's not really going to be a buffer zone here where there's a, a non-spoiler discussion or stuff like that. Uh, I've already got a non-spoiler written review up on marvelstudiosnews.com. Uh there's a non-spoiler video review over at Super of uh, the the Superhero News YouTube channel, so there's plenty of non-spoiler reviews for Captain Marvel from me anyway. So <laughs> we're just going to dive right into it and spoilers are our fair game from this point forward. So there's a fun thing for for me besides seeing the movies cuz that's the main fun thing, but In doing this show, the fun experience is that it's kind of the same as when we talk about trailers, where I will not ask Paul what he thinks of something. So, like, Mm -hmm. Paul's Mm -hmm. been, Paul gives his reaction to Captain Marvel on what, Thursday night? You saw it? Yep. Okay. So, Paul gives his reaction, and you would swear that everybody who follows Paul doesn't know Paul because they're all asking him. (laughs) 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 I know. I don't. Th- I, we must have a lot of new people because they don't seem to be familiar with your brand and the way this process works. But um, I, I embrace it. I embrace not knowing exactly what Paul thinks uh, going into a show. But I think I have a pretty good idea of yeah. how Paul feels about Captain Marvel. Uh, but rather than my own sixth sense for reading Paul's vague tweets... He's here, yes. so Paul, yes. <laughs> please, uh, if you would be so kind, share with us your yes. your opening thoughts on Captain Marvel.
1: Yeah, so Captain Marvel was one of those films that I, I fully admitted that I wasn't like super super excited about, in a sense, to where I was really connected to the character and people. I always want to preface it like I don't, I just don't have a deep connection because I didn't grow up with the character, Miss Marvel. Uh, was different, there were so many different Miss Marvels while growing up, there was you know, Spectrum, uh, Miss Marvel, it just, you know, you just, I still never connected to Carol Danvers, because she was in a coma when I was reading comics, basically, because pr- of Rogue, so when I actually read some Miss Marvel comics when I came back into comic books, ironically, with Carol Danvers, when she was, I think, dating Wonder Man, which I'm a big Wonder Man fan, so uh, that might have something to do with it, but... Um, it was. I always liked the character, and I always liked the idea. I did love the idea that Marvel went and made her Captain Marvel because that was an, a really underutilized name for a long time, and and Marvel kept trying to use Captain Marvel's name, uh, for different series, you know, to revitalize the Marvel name, et cetera, or whatever. And uh, Peter David wrote um, a, a Captain Marvel series or whatever back in, in the late '90s, early 2000s, around, around that era, and you know, just nothing ever really stuck and they've never really brought back captain Marvel himself because there's not really a reason to he he had a kind of a a nice kind of closed uh or op- uh, close-ended death and it was kind of a powerful kind of a a one-time thing in comics where someone actually stays dead uh so with all that being said, I love the idea that they took Carol Danvers, who I knew had a connection with Captain Marvel, and they made her Captain Marvel. And I loved when the comics we read for the, you know, the Patreon, not Patreon, but the comic book club uh, book club we did years and years ago with the original Captain Marvel comics. Sean, we or Captain America is the one that kind of told her he, you should take up this mantle of Captain Marvel. And I've always liked that idea that it has made sense to, to name Carol Danvers Captain Marvel. And so they like, kind of took it like the in-universe and and put it in the continuity, and it's like, yeah, this is kind of obvious, so we we should do this. So I always like that. So I've always liked Carol Danvers' as Captain Marvel. I read her comics here or there. I've liked them. But again, never connected to the character and didn't have a deep connection, but I've always liked the character. So when the movie was announced, I was didn't make made sense we needed we need more female superheroes out there made a lot of sense to me and i was looking forward to seeing how they did you know or how it went and the trailers looked okay i liked them i thought for the most part there were i did i was a little hesitant about brie larson's uh performance and then it sucked because all the the awful men out there and other people trying to say like how she doesn't smile all that stuff and i was like i hope people don't assume i'm one of them because that's not even remotely the case but i definitely had some concerns. Well, you know, for my. Pre- Previous shows, people who listen to me, I definitely had concerns. So, going into Captain Marvel, I felt good. I've, I've heard good things about it. I know you liked it, Sean, going into it. And I just kind of said, okay, I wasn't a huge fan of, of uh, Ant Man and the Wasp. It wasn't a terrible movie, but it just kind of, Marvel was kind of hitting them out of the park up until then with uh, from Homecoming On. Man and the Wasp was my first kind of eh, in. And the last origin film that I saw was Doctor Strange. Wasn't a huge fan of that, as people remembered. So I kind of came in a little trepidatious for some of the reviews that I was reading from Rotten Tomatoes and things like that. So sat my butt in the seat with my Subway, my Haribo Star Mix, and my Diet Coke and sat there, uh, watched the trailers. Were, and most of it was really remarkable to me. I never saw an Avengers Endgame trailer, by the way. Neither did Which I. I which is really strange, and I think kind of awesome that Endgame is so huge. Like they're just like we don't need to worry about that. I just think it's awesome. Anyway, <clears throat> and it's coming out what in a month, so it, it's insane. So or a month and a half, whatever. I don't know. So anyway, Captain Marvel starts, and I I got watched it all the way through, and I got to say I liked it. I I really did like it, and not to say there's not some issues that I have here or there, but for the most part. I really enjoyed the movie. Uh, like I said, there, there's a few things here and there that I didn't like, but I think this movie definitely did was one of the better Marvel origin films or first films. I say I wouldn't say origin films. I'll just say first films that I've seen in a while, and I don't really count Homecoming in there because he was introduced in, uh, you know, Civil War and, and it's Spider Man, so it's a little bit different. Right. But as far as far as like their own first movie. I felt like this was a this is kind of a, kind of akin back to the original uh, Marvel uh, Phase One films, if you will. Like I really felt it fits in nicely there, and or as far as as I, my opinion anyway. And so with everything that I got, I, I thought it was a really well done origin film, and you know I I, I love the supporting cast, and I gotta say I I've, I've seen people criticize like the opening like the opening of the movie. Like I was watching a a thing on YouTube. And someone said, "Yeah, the no, first boring. The first uh, part of this film is really boring." I'm like, "Are you insane? That's yeah. like, my favorite part. No, like, I
0: no, love the beginning. No respect for Torfa. <laughs>
1: okay. I get, apparently not, man. Yeah. It's it's really crazy, but I I gotta say I was really impressed that I I felt again. I'll get into some of my criticisms, but later on. But for the most part, I I like this movie, and I think that. One of the things and I want to kind of start off the bat, if you don't mind, Sean, about Brie Larson since she is the main character. Sure. Uh, I I liked her in this movie, and I I totally get where people might not all jump on to that to that uh, her performance, and I think there is I think it's a little uneven in places. I will say that okay, but I really did, and after I thought about it some more and really kind of contemplated it in my head. I really did end up really liking it even more than I thought I did. Because here's, hear me out. What's one of the major complaints we get about Marvel films, right? We get, oh, it's too funny. I try to be, you know, everyone's trying to make and crack jokes all the time, blah, 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 blah. Like, it's, I mean, that's like the number one criticism of Marvel films from, pe- from people is that it's too funny. They're all the same, blah, 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 blah. Well, This is like one of the first characters where we don't really get a lot of slapsticky stuff with her, at least, at least from, again, when I watched the film the first time, I never thought that there was like, it was overly trying to be funny. Yes. There's some, there's some moments here and there, but for the most part, she's a pretty serious character. And I, I actually thought that was a, a breath of fresh air for me because I'm normally hit with like this, uh, you know, we have, you know, Dr. Strange was a little bit like that, he was a little serious, but I really felt like you were meant to not to like him. And so it was, it's a little bit different, but he still had lots of funny moments and try to, you know, because he's a doctor and, and everyone kind of was like, oh, Dr. Strange, you're so smart. <laughs> and he was like, oh, I know I am. And it just, whatever. But with Captain Marvel, I felt it was a lot more serious. And I just, I just felt like there was a kind of a different feel for the main character and it was nice for once in my opinion and i i just felt that there was i like the seriousness of her character and i like i like kind of revealing itself as we went with the film which we did we knew we were going to get from the trailers but it was just a, it was just a nice of a different kind of feel that the that, Mar- that marvel went with and i think that was the right obviously it was the right judging from the box office it was the right call but it was just it was a breath of fresh air for me because I was kind of anticipating just getting inundated with tons of jokes and things like that. And like I said, there's some stuff in there, but for the most part, it's a pretty serious like opening. It's 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 not really trying to be this overly you know which kind of lure them in by making them laugh a bunch no it was let's drop him in straight into the action which which is what i've been always wanting for these films for a long time and i usually feel like don't i get them very much and i, I again it was nice to have her already have her powers and it was nice to have the reveal of the origin as the movie went on so All of that, I think, I felt for me really went a long way, and and it felt different than other Marvel films, and I really liked it, and so yeah, I I I really liked this film, and I didn't know if I wanted to see it again, as I always want to preface it where these it's been harder and harder for me to go see movies again in the theater, and it's very rare when I can see them twice unless it's a Star Wars film. Star Wars films I usually go multiple times with Marvel films a little bit harder. But I think I'm going to try to hit this up next weekend. So that, and that's saying a lot because I didn't I, – I saw Ant-Man and the Wasp once and I'm like, I'm good. I saw <laughs> Volume 2 once, said I'm good. Doctor Strange once, <laughs> I'm good. So Captain Marvel – I'm not sure I'll be able to get to it. But if I have nothing going on, I may try to hit that up in the IMAX again And I love all the IMAX scenes. So we'll get more nitty-gritty. But yeah, I got to say I, I really like this film. I thought Brie Larson was – Even though there was a couple moments here and there, which I don't know necessarily her fault, which we'll get into later, but I really liked her in this film, and I love the story.
0: Yeah, I think Captain Marvel's great. I think it's a legitimately great movie. I think you're right in the way that it stands out from other Marvel films, and as I always have to, or I, I don't know that I have to, but I've been prefacing it this way when I've been talking about it. It's not to say that all Marvel movies before this were the same. They're not. I've argued against that for years and years and years but just as those stand out in their own way this one also stands out in its own way and it might even stand out a little bit further than the rest of the pack i mean in some ways or a lot of the pack because tonally you're right there's humor in the movie but this doesn't feel like guardians of the galaxy where they where there's so many there's so much humor to help you digest all of the crazy cosmic goings-on. Now, and I don't want to say that Guardians was doing that and having so much humor just to, you know, as the spoonful of sugar to make the cosmic medicine go down. Like, that's not what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Because Guardians, the humor was natural for the characters you were dealing with, and also just comes from having a larger ensemble all together at once. So that just creates more opportunities for humor. There's plenty of humor in Captain Marvel, but not as much. So in terms of the amount of humor I would say this is uh, more comparable to like a Winter Soldier or a Doctor Strange, where yes, it's there, but it's not as present. It's not as prevalent throughout the story as, uh, as maybe other Marvel films. And I actually enjoyed that because tonally, I found this to be almost very classic science fiction, whereas mm-hmm. where Guardians is more like kind of an upbeat Star Wars, or if I were to make the comparison, Guardians of the Galaxy is like J.J. J. Abrams' Star Trek or Star Wars, but... This one is, uh, but Captain Marvel is more like Star Trek, original series, Star Trek Next Generation, like that kind of feel. Also a little bit Twilight zone with some of the Supreme Intelligence scenes and all of those things, like it was just kind of weird and trippy and just allowed itself to kind of be weird and trippy, and it didn't have to punctuate all of that with, uh, with a joke. So it was able to do different things and flex different muscles, and I thought Brie Larson in terms of her performance, I thought she was lights out all across this movie, I understand where people might be coming from, how they feel like maybe they didn't get a chance to connect with the character, and uh, if that's the way... I can't argue with how somebody feels if they don't feel an emotional connection. I can't say, you should have felt an emotional connection. They don't. Okay, I did, so we move on. But the reason I felt connected to the character is I felt that she was really... I I was with the journey that she was on of trying to discover who she was and the pain of that whole process. There's a great moment in her performance among many. Uh, but one of the moments that keeps standing out to me as I go back and I and I watch the film, because I've seen it four times now. I saw it at the press junket a couple weeks ago, saw it at the premiere last Monday night, then saw it opening night Thursday, and then I went back and watched it again on Saturday night. And when she's looking at the file and Nick Fury's kind of explaining to her that there was a pilot that went down with Lawson, who turns out to be Marvell, you can see in that performance with Brie Larson, everything that her character is going through, everything that she is realizing at that moment, and the pain that's coming with it, because she's had these issues with her memory, she doesn't know who she is, and now she has her first big clue as to why that's the case, why her memory only goes back six years, and that's just all in Brie Larson's face because she's a phenomenal actress, and that's how much she can com- that's how much she can communicate. So that kind of subtlety and nuance like that's part of acting. I don't know what to tell people. That's what it is. And so for her to be able to give, you know, a moment like that that was so powerful, and not that that was the only one, but I also thought I thought she was charming when she needed to be when the situation called for it, like her back and forth with Nick Fury at Poncho's bar, like that stuff was great. Some of their banter in the car or in the jet or in in their adventures together. I think that shows you what Carol is like and that those were Little bits of who she was before she went off to, uh, you know, before she was taken by the Kree to Hala, you kind of get a sense of that was coming back to her. And although some of it had never left her because you look at the way that she behaves on Hala and she's different than the rest of the members of Star Force. So I really like the way all of that was put together. And I thought Brie Larson did a great job. I'm not trying to argue that the movie is perfect, it does have some pacing issues. I don't think it has as many as some people have pointed out. Uh, and there are some things that I would probably have tweaked here and there, but for the most part, I think this is really strong. But what really speaks to me about this movie is I think it's just running on so many different levels thematically and things that we, I think, things that we could have obviously expected based on the subject matter. We all know that this is the first Marvel Studios film to be led solely by a female protagonist, not sharing the marquee like Ant Man and the Wasp last year. This is the first one where it's just the the female hero front and center and just having just her name in the title. So with that, there's a lot that we can expect about female empowerment. There's a lot that we can expect about mm-hmm. Carol's own journey with identity, and, and as well as a great friendship that she has with Lashawna Lynch's Maria Rambo. That That relationship is awesome in the movie. So a lot of things like that were expected going into the movie. And I don't want to try to take away from them, because those things were great, and they were a huge part of what I enjoyed about it. But where Captain Marvel really hit another level for me was the twist with the Skrulls. Because that Mm. took this movie from being a fun and interesting journey through Carol Danvers as she discovers herself into the movie also becoming about other things. Even becoming about things that are very socially relevant and even especially right now. And so... I'll just go ahead and get into it because I've been teasing it in my non-spoiler review. So we might jump around a bit on this. But I love the switch with the scrolls because I love what it says. And I because and and, it's saying a lot of things. If you really go back and look at what's, what different characters are saying at different moments throughout the movie. Because going into this, we all knew that Jude Law was going to be a bad guy. I mean, come on. That was like telegraphed forever ago. So that was never going to be a surprise. But what was surprising to me, because I thought my assumption then became, okay, well, Jan Rog's going to be... Jude Law's Jan Rog, and he's going to be a bad guy. But the Skrulls are still going to be bad. And so, really, the the hook for the story, or the surprise in the story, is going to be Carol is going to be, instead of having to battle one set of bad guys, she's having to battle two sets of bad guys. That she doesn't get along with the Kree, and she doesn't get along with the Skrulls either. So that was what I initially thought it was going to be. But then, when you get that switch... And you realize that the scrolls are just victims of an unjust war with the Kree, And then you see like or you hear the different pieces of dialogue in there, you realize that it's taking this notion from the comic books when the scrolls were introduced. Now there have been good scrolls throughout Marvel Comics history, so it's not like it's the MCU is the first one doing this, but they were initially introduced as the scrolls are bad, they're a problem. And so this kind of turns it on its head because it really shows you that it's prejudice that, that happens there. And it's prejudice that's been weaponized by those in power with the Cree, the Supreme Intelligence, Jan Rog, and I'm sure many others. And you see how they've kind of brainwashed a lot of their people, including Carol, who they call veers to hate other people. And so I love what it says about that and that well look, the idea of judging an entire race as terrorists, that's a bad thing that's it's an outdated concept and it's also a dangerous concept even in fiction so that's where this becomes very class as i said classic sci-fi because a huge part of the twilight zone a huge part of a lot of classic science fiction is allegory you know it's a moral tale wrapped within the story and i think there are elements to that that are absolutely timeless but there are there are also elements here that are very timely i don't think it's a coincidence that that Minerva, played by Gemma Chan, refers to Earth, or C-53, as a shithole. I don't think it's a coincidence, because we also hear them talk about border security multiple times. And I think we all know where we hear that where we hear that come up a lot, too. So I think there's a lot of stuff working here that has a lot to say about current events, and I think that's where it becomes really, really powerful. That this is... Kind of an eye-opening experience for Carol, but it can be an eye-opening experience for the audience. That idea that those in power can weaponize prejudice, can and use fear to fan the flames of prejudice in order to turn, in order to teach hate, in order to get people to hate, and then you get to the point where Carol just sees these refugees. And by the way, there's a really point. I mean, Ta- Talos actually refers to the scrolls as refugees. He also talks about how there are thousands of us that have been separated from each other, scattered across the galaxy. And we know family separation has been a big thing that's gone on and, and became very, I mean, it's been a big story for a while, but it became a very big story last summer. Those things are not coincidental, you know, and it's not even, there's enough of it on the surface to not even really call it subtext. But f- for when people want to dismiss Captain Marvel and say that it's just some one-note Marvel formula adventure, or it's just similar to some of those phase one films. That's where I completely disagree because I feel like the material is there. I feel like the dialogue is there to point to a story that can promote a lot of discussion if people actually look and see what the movie is, is dealing with. Uh, much in the way that if you go back and look at old Twilight Zone episodes, you can deal you can see what those episodes are actually dealing with, what they're actually about. And so running that deep thematically is, I think, what makes Captain Marvel really so great and really, really special. And and as I said, I can't speak for the directors. This was how I interpreted it. But I feel like there's enough these – these words that are used throughout the movie cannot be entirely coincidental. And if you know – if you follow Ryan Fleck, one of the directors here on Twitter, you know that he cares about these issues. So it wouldn't surprise me at all. If a lot of current events did indeed inform uh, their their conception of this story,
1: yeah, the scrolls was a great. Sur- I don't even want to say surprise because in my reading of the scrolls in the comic books, since I was reading comics, I know they were introduced as villains, like you said, Sean. But for me, I never really th- looked at, looked as <clears throat> I never looked at the scrolls as these bad guys or the Kree. They just they had good and bad on both sides. And they are fighting this lifelong war forever, and I never. So when when the scrolls were shown to be, because I almost thought Von Rog and the scrolls were going to be in line together. That's what I thought was going to end up happening, or some, or whatever. But I was really surprised and thankful that that wasn't. And I, I I thought it was great that the scrolls ended up being the kind of the sympathetic characters because to me it makes sense because the scrolls are. Not necessarily these evil-natured people. Yes, in the comic books, there are evil scrolls. That's usually like the the hierarchies are usually the ones that are the people in power. Ironically, are the ones that usually are the corrupt people. When the in the Kree Scroll War, we read a couple months ago for uh, the Patreon book club, we saw we saw that like the scroll like yeah, the princess was the one saying, you know, we we don't need to do this, and, and then her dad's like, yes, we have to, blah blah blah. And again, it kind of goes to show that. It was nice to see this aside side of that it was it was again it was a twist and people kind of thought that that's what I was unhappy about I had mentioned something which I'll, I'll get into later that I was unhappy about was the scrolls I actually really liked the scrolls in this movie way more than I was anticipating mm. and it wasn't it wasn't because I think that I was uh, just anticipating to hate them but I just was tired of. Shapeshifters being the bad guys. And, And we had talked, I talked a lot about that on the previous shows. So this time they weren't, they were kind of the bad guy for like good, what half the movie, maybe less than that. And then it became allies and then it became way more interesting. And the shape shifting aspect really became not as distracting as I thought it was going to be. And I ended up really liking what we were getting. And yeah. I thought the scrolls were handled perfectly, even to the point where you had those little minion uh, scrolls that were like, a little smaller and they had like kind of bigger eyes. Like it, I was like, that's perfect. Like they nailed like that. There's all kinds of different looking scrolls, like there are you know people on Earth. But it was nice to see them. Like it felt like they took that out right out of the comic books. And I I just I I loved everything about that. So I, I have to say I, I loved the scrolls myself. And I, I love the twist because I wasn't anticipating it. And, I, and people know, I stay away from spoilers completely for these Marvel films now because I got to be surprised about something in, in these movies. And and I Lord knows I was. I was like, whoa, this is perfect. And and something you talked about, Captain Marvel, Sean, I want to kind of touch on too. because I know we're jumping around a bunch and I apologize. But one of the things you talked about Captain Marvel was just the performance of Brie Larson and kind of just the overall character just getting a you know, kind of a great Introduction to this to this uh, the MCU and one of the things I felt that the Marvel did better than I really was anticipating was I felt they took the character and the origin and made it better. I was really surprised of how much I liked the origin way more than I was anticipating and I knew that it had to be different We we all knew that was going to have to be a little bit a twist on it because Getting the powers directly from Marvel himself wasn't probably going to happen, and we and it, it necessarily didn't go exactly like that, but it's some somewhat similar. But I loved everything how it was done and I felt it was an improvement from the comic book itself and I felt they took that and made it better which is not always the case sometimes they tweak things and it's not or
0: yeah even the comic book changed the origin recently because they realized there were issues with that origin I mean we went back and we read those issues on the Marvel Unlimited Book Club for more visit patreon.com slash Marvel (laughs) Studios News but no like we we went over that and that story where she gets her powers I mean she's barely even in it she's like unconscious for a good chunk of that too so like she's not not really involved. So to your point, I mean, this is an improvement because the explosion that gives her, her powers is her. It's her act of bravery. You know, she's willing to shoot this engine that she doesn't even know what the hell it is uh, and Mm -hmm. blow the whole thing up. And because she knows that this person is bad and can't have it, that Marvell or Lawson would not have wanted this person to have, it. was trying to keep it from this person because they had ill intentions and so for her to be willing to sacrifice herself in a war that she's not even part of, that she didn't even know that she was part of until like five seconds before when they were under attack. So for her to make that decision and that's what results in her getting those powers. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that's that's much better than the comic books where it was really more about the conflict between Yon-Rogg and Marvell, And Carol was just kind of, you know, a hostage caught it, caught in the middle of it. So this is actually giving her agency and this is giving, it's her decision that ultimately gives her the powers. I mean, she even says that like, you know, you didn't, when the, the Supreme intelligence, like what was given can be taken away. She's like, you didn't give me these powers, the blast did. but I mean, I would take a step further. Well, it's not just the blast. It's Carol's decision that gave her Mm -hmm. the powers. It was that moment of self-sacrifice that gave her the powers. And yeah, I mean, it's, the the stuff with the scrolls too, like just going back to that for one second, like there's what I love, I mean, I love so many things about that, but I've heard some people say that uh, you know, well, okay, so the scrolls aren't all bad, but they say the Cree are all bad. And so that contradicts the message of not, you know, you can't paint an entire race with a broad brush. And I would say, well, Marvell is Cree. And she realized the war was wrong. So that already shows that not all Cree are bad. I think that's one of the messages of this movie, and it's still up, upheld even with the Cree, because it's very clear that a lot of the stuff with the Cree and the Cree people—they're being steered the wrong direction, just like Carol was being steered the wrong direction. If everybody's being told that this is what's wrong with this race, and they're they're shapeshifters, and we can't trust them, and they're going to kill us all, and whatever. And then people are buying into that. It's not to say that nobody's responsible for their own individual behavior anymore, but it points to that idea that when you have people in power and they have people who place their trust in them, they, those people in power can, there's a lot of responsibility that comes with it. And you can wield that power to either promote, you can to either bring out the best in humanity, or you can try and bring out the worst and you can try and stir up hate. And there are people, and we know that there are people who do that. And so for Captain Marvel to address that and show how that is an issue in a society, and it's an issue that obviously impacts the Skrulls because they're victimized by this, it also impacts the Kree because I don't think everybody on Hala and on everybody else on, on any other Kree-occupied planet is inherently a bad person because once Marvel, uh Mar-Vell eventually realized, because she was a part of that war too and then eventually realized this is wrong, other people can come to that realization. And I feel like that's something that can potentially be addressed in a sequel because there's a tease of a confrontation between Carol and Ron- uh, Ronan. There's obviously Carol talking about unfinished business with the supreme intelligence. So, you know, there's, I think there's going to be more to this story. But what we're seeing here is that there's not going to be some massive group of people where everyone's bad. And to that point, there won't necessarily be a group of people where everyone's good either, because you know the Skrulls for people who say, "Well, I want, I want evil Skrulls, I want secret invasion, I want those things to happen in the Marvel Cinematic Universe," they still can, because oh, just, yeah. <laughs> just because Talos and, and the people, the Skrulls that he was hanging out with, just because they were good, doesn't mean that everybody, that every Skrull is as noble as Talos is. There there are probably Skrulls who would act selfishly, who would want power, who would want to take over planets and all of that kind of stuff. So there can still be bad Skrulls that can come into the Marvel Cinematic Universe at any point that Marvel Studios decides that's the kind of story they want to tell. But I certainly think it's a, it's a smart step for Marvel Studios in this story, and also with Anna Boden and Ryan Fleck, the directors here, and I know they also co-wrote the screenplay, To turn that idea on its head, though, to just complete, to right away call out the idea of dismissing an entire race as, you know, as terrorists, like that's not, that's not right, that's not okay, and we should actually be able to look at people and judge their character as opposed to just go ahead and, or actually get to know people and judge their character and not just assume things about them because we've been told something about an entire group of people. So, yeah, I, I think this is... I think Captain Marvel is very much flying in the face of a lot of the hateful rhetoric that's been spewed over. I mean, as I said, timeless because a lot of the, a lot of these problems have been around for years and years and years. But we've seen plenty of other things, whether it's uh, an attempt at a Muslim ban, or it's an inflated sense of urgency around border security to get or to declare a national emergency to build a wall, beginning an entire campaign by calling. An entire nation of people or are, are hinting that most of them are rapists, drug dealers, and murderers. All of that stuff has happened in our world in the past few years, and families separated from each other at the border when they're just refugees seeking asylum. All of those things have been going on in our world, and I don't want to say, I can't say definitively that anything in Captain Marvel is a, is a direct response to any of that, but it certainly feels to me like a lot of these event, a lot of these events, or at least some of them, have informed this story and informed the events of this story. And so, I love that Captain Marvel is unafraid to deal with those things, but do it in a way that you're still delivering. It's not preachy about it. It's just it all makes sense and it all fits within a story. And I think they do a, a terrific job of it in this film.
1: <clears throat> well said, Sean. And I, you know, what's funny. I love, I love how art and, or just, you know, films and things like that can, everyone takes something a little bit differently. And I never even thought of the things that you were talking about in this movie. And now that you, you talk about it, it's like, man, you're intentional or not, we, you took it out of there. And it, I thought it was, I think it's awesome. And I think it's well said. And I commend everything and, and agree with everything you're saying right there. So I want to say that for the record. Uh, I guess like I said, never thought of those things, but the touch back on the scrolls. There's an interesting thing uh if I'm not mistaken from the 616 universe and this is something that could play in the future of future MCU films and the scrolls and the potential of a future Fantastic 4 Silver Surfer connection do you know why the scrolls might be refugees
0: well I'm trying mm-hmm. to think of cuz the only thing that they were Really, talk the only thing they really talked about in this one was conflict with the Cree. They didn't really mm-hmm. hint at where you know if there was a source that you know if when they were if they initially came up against the Cree because they were trying to go to other planets that ended up being Cree planets. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. you, you got me there. I'm, I'm I'm drawing a blank on where the scroll okay. what other conflict the scrolls might be running from.
1: This, this, well, the scrolls as far if if i'm not i just kind of remembered it just now where we were talking about the whole refugee thing the thing with the scrolls galactus destroys their home planet if i'm not mistaken mm. so this could very well be a connection to galactus cuz they don't really say that like they don't really say their home planet was destroyed but they, but they, again, I the whole refugee thing didn't make a lot of sense when you told me or you were talking about it. I'm like, wait a minute, that's a good point. And I'm not sure when he destroyed their home planet, but at one point he does destroy the Skrull's home planet. Hmm. So that's something to consider, that it's something they could be leaving in, the fact that the, the Skrulls could come back, show up back into the Fantastic... Uh, to a future Fantastic Four or a future MCU a Silver Surfer film with Galactus having already destroyed the Skrull... Uh, Homeworld. So, I'll have to look that up as we're watching, but I'm pretty sure that's accurate. So, something to consider in a rewatch for Captain Marvel. If they maybe kind of purposely leave that out. I don't know.
0: Um, well, I don't think they would have done it for... It, they can't do anything in these movies right now based on plans relative to Fox stuff, but it is a thread that's left, you know, that they can tie back to later. So... They can go ahead and because, yeah, to right. your point, because they haven't said what the source was, um, you know, of of what the what the initial attack was that drove them from wherever their original home or anything like that. Uh, then, yeah, they can retcon that. They can fill in that blank later and they can fill it in with Fox stuff. So, yeah, that could totally be Galactus. And I actually wouldn't mind that because it would bring that would give a great reason for Talos to come back in the story, because I think Talos is an awesome character. Uh, that's another part of the thing that I appreciated about the the surprise with the Skrulls, though, in that twist, is because when Ben Mendelsohn was cast, I mean, I thought, I wanted Ben Mendelsohn to be the Supreme Intelligence. That's what I wanted when I first found out he was cast in Captain Marvel, and then when it became apparent that he was just going to be a leader of the Skrulls, I was like, well, it's it's pretty cool. Ben Mendelsohn's always awesome, but, man, he's played a lot of bad guys. You know, and it just felt kind of, it really kind of felt like typecasting, to be honest. I mean, there was not really it wasn't as exciting to me so then to have him have him perceived as a villain and uh you know and he is an antagonist i mean he does he even says like my hands this is war carol my hands are filthy from it too so he does things that aren't necessarily great but of course he's doing all these things to try and get back to his family so that they can all try and collectively survive that's what he's trying to do he's trying to protect his people so you know, having, turning that idea of him as an antagonist into one of the allies, one of the heroes in the story, uh, I really love that. That was a nice touch. And Ben Mendelsohn showed, I mean, this is why he's such a great actor. It's like, he can do a lot more than just play a bad guy. Like, he can do so much. Uh, This guy's really good uh, and really charismatic, as we see. Like, that scene at Maria Rambo's house, when he first, like, starts laying out his plan, like, when he's when he's like, "Oh, I'm here. I am in front of you as myself without deception," and then she, Carol's like, "What about your guy outside?" And like, "Okay, that's a fair point. Like, I just, <laughs> like, <laughs> I okay, we're we're all that. a little on edge here. Like, I just, he's his performance is so great, just so wildly entertaining. Uh, I enjoyed him a lot, and so yeah, he was. I mean, he makes that whole." I mean as much as I love the the thematics of the whole thing like I also in terms of the the story the narrative and just the overall entertainment value of the movie he is a huge part of making that work and also gaining the sympathy that you need to for the scrolls uh but if you go back and when you rewatch the movie you will actually pick up on things that show that he wasn't necessarily a bad it's not like he was a bad guy who turned into a good guy it was all a matter of perspective, because he actually says, when they are going through Carol's memories, he actually says the you know, Lawson is the key to finding the lightspeed engine, and everything we're after, and he just kind of says that last thing, it's very quietly, almost under his breath, so I actually missed it the first time, because I was just thinking of him as an antagonist, and the second time I watched the movie, I catch that line, and I'm like, oh, so right, yeah, right from the very beginning, this guy's not really as bad, as you think he is. And and I think when you see him uh, as as what Ben Mendelsohn looks like in, in real life, when he's impersonating, uh, when he has simmed Nick Fury's boss, and he has that message for, you know, he says, safe journey to the beyond, my friend, for the scroll who died in Nick Fury's car, the one who impersonated uh, Coulson. And so, like, that moment takes on a different meaning, because it's not just a bad guy... Uh, you know, being sad over a fallen soldier. This is this is a general who has lost a soldier, but also somebody who's probably lost a friend, and lost a friend knowing what this friend has been through, that all this friend was doing is the same thing he was doing, which was fighting for survival, fighting to get back to family, to friends. And so there's just so much going on that just becomes so emotional with Talos and the scrolls and his entire family. When we see his wife, when we see his, their child... There's just so much good stuff here, and that, and that again, this is where it becomes like classic science fiction to me. Like th- th- that's how tonally it all feels. There's this, there's allegory that's very, very deep, very meaningful, but there's also a lot of great, just pure popcorn, superficial entertainment. There's a lot of heart to it. There's just a lot of sweetness to it. I think Captain Marvel is just working on a lot of different levels, which is why I've been able to, why I've loved it so much, and why I continue to love it more and more with each, uh, with each new viewing.
1: Mendelson was as Mendelsohn, excuse me. <clears throat> it was funny because when, when he first started talking, I felt like he it felt like maybe like there was like something in his mouth that he was it, it just didn't kind of distracted me for a minute. And then I, I don't know if it, it was the way he was talking or what it was. Just, it was very distracting at first, but I got used to it and I really ended up loving his character and his performance in the movie. Like you did, Sean, I felt that, he was. It was a lot better. He was a lot better than I was anticipating, and I'm not sure why, why I would say that because I loved him in Star Wars uh, Rogue One as Krennic, but for whatever reason, I just I didn't know what to expect him as a scroll, and I thought he did a great job being. A little, he was a little more comic relief than I was anticipating, but it was a really well placed, and I, I loved, I I laughed out loud, like you said, in that one part where he's like, "That's fair," about the scroll being outside. That's a fair point. (laughs) That's a fair point. I I thought that was perfect, and I really, I really liked his performance, and I I love the idea that we might see Talos back uh, at some point, and. I don't think we've seen the last of them. I think Mendelssohn's probably – I mean especially since they didn't, didn't kill him off and he's – you know Mendelssohn's obviously a great actor. They're probably going to tap him to be in future films like a Fantastic Four or Silver Surfer yeah. film. Yeah. There's there's going to be more of this character. I think that he's he's not just a, a, a one and done. I think there's going to be some – you know he's going to be the through line for the scroll universe or for the yeah. scrolls and for else, Good for Bad. Plus oh man Talos I don't know if I want to show I'll give him a show necessarily (laughs) but uh no I I thought he was great I thought he was one of the great uh supporting cast members that we got in this movie for sure
0: yeah he was fantastic we were pretty deep into the show and I know we haven't even talked about Samuel L. Jackson as younger Nick Fury I don't want to call him that young but like (laughs) Nick Fury in this one and uh yeah he was I mean it was awesome he there's so much about this that I really loved about Sam Jackson's performance. I mean, the back and forth that he had with Bree Larson, like their chemistry. I mean, you can kind of see with them on the press tour and stuff. They're legitimate friends because they've worked together on a few things now. They were on they were in Kong Skull Island together and then he was in a movie that Bree Larson directed and then they're coming back they come back, they do this one together. There's kind of a there's a legitimate real life friendship happening between those two uh, those two people those two real people and it kind of informs their characters you can just kind of see it it's a natural chemistry and I think it actually helps their the relationship between their characters on screen they're just so much fun together and I think the way that you know I, I love the bit where he uses the tape to get the thumbprint and then she busts the next door like you sat there and let me play with tape. That whole thing, like, that that got me. And then the, oh, the interaction, like I said, at Poncho's bar, like, going, the quizzing Nick Fury to make sure that he's not a scroll. Even though this whole kind of exercise, like, you can kind of tell it's Carol messing with him because even though, like, she can't know whether or not any of the answers he's giving are true or not. So she's just kind of eyeballing it trying to see if he's telling the truth. Uh, but she doesn't know where he was born. She doesn't know that Mr. Snoopers was the name of his first pet. She can't check that. So, uh, <laughs> but I love the, you know, the setup all the way to if toast is cut diagonally, he can't eat it. That was a really funny bit. And that's gotten a really good laugh uh, every time I've uh, seen the movie with a crowd in theater. So, yeah, it's just, uh, and that a lot of the stuff with Nick Fury that I enjoyed so much about it was, you know, giving us some backstory and, this is not to say that the MC, the larger MCU connections are the, are the main thing here. They're totally not. This movie is clearly telling its own story, this own journey of self-discovery for Carol Danvers, and of course everything that we talked about it doing with the Skrulls and, and everything, but it's doing all of those, but this is where Marvel Studios is so great when it comes to striking a balance. They can do all that. They can tell a standalone story, and they can also build out the larger universe, and so there's a lot of great touches here a lot of great moments you know Nick Fury seeing Nick Fury as the guy the guy who showed up in Iron Man the post credit scene who kind of seemed to know everything already about being about Tony Stark stepping into a larger universe and he just didn't know it yet the moment where Nick Fury is the guy who steps into the larger universe that he didn't know existed you know like when he's When she talks about Scrolls and she talks about Starforce and all this stuff, like he he mocks her and he doesn't believe it until he actually sees an alien for himself. You know, he even says, like, I was doing the Cold War and that didn't and that ended. So now I've been riding a desk for six years trying to figure out where the next threat was going to come from. Didn't occur to me that it would be from above. But once he does figure that out, to see the journey that puts him on, and how all the way down to the name, the Avenger Initiative, coming from Carol. You know, that that was her call sign in the Air Force. Because he was going to call it the Protector Initiative. Then he sees that photo of her, the Avenger Initiative. And I'm going to clarify why that works. Because I know I've seen people complain, but Captain America is the first Avenger. That's the title of the movie. He's not called (laughs) an Avenger. He is not given an Avenger label in that film. Uh, And if we're just going to go by, well, technically, he should still be the first Avenger because he was around... Well, actually Thor predates Captain America. I don't know what to tell you. So Thor is kind of the first Avenger if we were if we're really going to think about it. He was around before Steve and that's just all there is to it. So it's not it doesn't really matter the phrasing of the title First Avenger. Uh it doesn't really matter and if you go back if you remember when these movies were initially coming out or when they were getting made, the whole reason the movie is titled Captain America the First Avenger instead of just Captain America like every other first, you know, the first movie for a superhero doesn't get a subtitle. The reason First Avenger did is because there were going to be a lot of markets where they weren't going to use the words Captain America, so they needed to have another title attached to it. So, in a lot of markets, they just dropped the name Captain America and put it the First Avenger. It was really more of a cynical reason, anyway, why the title was there for First Avenger. Um, but it still doesn't really remove Cap's status as being the, the First Avenger ultimately, although, as I said, Thor has right. Thor has some right to that claim, uh, but for why Nick would get the idea for the name Avenger Initiative, why why would it come from Captain America? He didn't know Captain America when he was already talking about the Avenger Initiative. He might have been aware that Captain America existed, but I don't know that that's really what would have inspired Nick if he went from not believing in all believing at all or having any knowledge of aliens and superheroes and all of those things, and then finally he meets one or he meets several, but then he finds this one hero in Carol Danvers and someone he really respects. And he wants, and now he sees that, okay, there's going to be all kinds of threats that we don't anticipate, that we don't see coming. And we need our response team. Well, what are we going to call it? And he takes the name from the call sign of this hero that he's just met and been inspired by. Like It makes a lot of sense. It also makes sense why uh, Avenger initiative wasn't plural from the very beginning, by the way, because well, you would think that it would be called Avengers initiative because the team is ultimately called Avengers. But no, it's it's singular because initially it was just Carol. So uh, I thought that was an awesome touch in the story and did a great job informing a lot of the stuff with Nick Fury and everything we've seen him do in the MCU since, uh, since 2008. I also love, by the way, really quickly, uh, Coulson didn't have a super big role in this movie. Bummer. But, but they put in the moment that where like Nick Fury respects g- gains respect for Phil Coulson and that's what matters to me like this is not Coulson's mm-hmm. story you can't spend a lot of time on Coulson so i'm not going to fault the movie for that that's they made great use of the time that they had though by having that that moment in the stairwell where Coulson says you know nope they're not down here and Nick Fury just has that little smile and Nick doesn't smile a ton so for Nick Fury to give that little smile uh, that's the moment where, you know, Coulson became one of Nick Fury's most trusted uh, members of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, so that's all that having all of those things woven into this story and woven in so seamlessly so that the so that the main story could be told uh, and that that could all be at the forefront for Captain Marvel. This is where, again, I I, I go tip my cap to Marvel Studios in the way they, they continue to be able to balance this. And and Captain Marvel, I think, is one of their best balancing acts yet. <laughs>
1: I definitely really liked Nick Fury in this movie. Samuel Jackson is just a tour de force, man. I, I think he's just all, whatever, whatever he's in, he can elevate anything. Whether the movie's bad or good or what, Samuel Jackson can just make anything entertaining and you can watch it because he's so great. And this is no exception, obviously. And I love Brie Larson and Samuel Jackson's chemistry together they have great great chemistry and it was and, and not that i was surprised they did but it, it, he definitely elevates the movie when he comes on and i love everything that he does and it was just, and i as far as the avenger call sign i had zero problems with it i thought it was fun i thought it was a funny touching moment you know i love the, the little funny gag the protectors initiative mm-hmm. and he's, he's he's writing it out and then he looks at carol's you know call sign and you know. again. I I like all that stuff. I thought it was a good, a really well done idea. Did did we need it? No, but it is. I thought it was really well done and it definitely connects her to the the Avengers a little bit more that she helped inspire the name unknowingly, which is, again, nice that she probably doesn't know that. And and maybe she won't know it. I don't know. But the fact that all that happened because you know, her name kind of inspired that whole thing is, is kind of cool. So I definitely like that. I think that. she'll
0: get it. I think when she meets the Avengers and she finds out like, that's the, you know, that's their name. Like, I think she'll, right. there might be a moment where we get to see her kind of realize like, Oh, like Nick took that from, from me.
1: Right. So with all that being said, I, I thought that was great, but I'm very curious, Sean, what you think about, uh, the uh, infamous now, Goose and Nick Fury situation because I've got oh, uh, I, I've I've got some issues with that one.
0: I don't have an issue with it. I won't say that I love it. When I okay, well, when I saw it, I was like, oh god, people are going to be so pissed. <laughs> so that was kind of my oh, initial reaction to it is just knowing that oh, some people are going to really not like that, but here are the things that I do like about it. I think it's a very Nick Fury thing. And I think that's kind of what this movie does though, is that I think it humanizes Nick Fury in, in ways that maybe we hadn't seen before. The fact that Nick Fury like falls to pieces over a cat anyway, you know, that that Nick Fury, the guy who doesn't seem to, nothing seem, really seems to get to him, or if it does, you don't get to see it. But then he just turns into a total softy when he sees a cute cat like that part I liked about it. And I think this kind of carries it forward that look, Nick Fury is not the tough guy that you think he is. Like he is one of the toughest guys in the Marvel cinematic universe. There's no question about that, but he's still human. And so, uh, I think it just kind of fits with Nick Fury. Nick Fury is a liar. We know this. He put, you know, he bloodied up Colson's vintage set of Captain America trading cards and lied and said that they were in, uh, Colson's jacket in order to get the event in order to inspire the avengers and for the leading into the battle of new york in that first avengers movie so there's a lot of stuff with nick fury that you know is dishonest or that he's you know that's uh, misdirect and whatever else so i thought it was funny where he said when you know, when when he just kind of lets people believe the legend without confirming it like when colson says is it true the kree burned your eye out and then he says you know i'll neither con- i will neither confirm nor deny the details of that so the fact that there would be this legend of how Nick Fury lost his eye. I didn't need it to be an epic moment. I didn't need it to be this epic thing where the guy loses an eye. So I don't care if it's a little bit silly. And again, it's it's Ben Mendelsohn making it work. Oh, it's just a scratch. And then cut to Mendelsohn. No. Uh, that part, <laughs> like, that, that helped sell it to me for sure because I, I absolutely loved that moment. But here's where it actually still works in terms of the canon for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Nick Fury says in Winter Soldier, last time I trusted someone, I, lo- I lost an eye. Well, what does he say to Goose not long before he loses- He gets scratched? He says, I'm going to trust you not to eat me. He doesn't say, I'm going to ah. trust you not to scratch me. But he does say, I'm going to trust you. So He, he does. He did right. trust Goose and lost an eye. So it fits within the canon of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You can't really argue that it doesn't. Um, if you don't like it, if it's not your preference, that's fine. I totally get it. So it's not the kind of thing where I, you know, am throwing my hands up and cheering and saying this is awesome in the only way they could have done it or the only way they should have done it uh, because I don't I don't love it that much. And I think there were other ways they obviously could have done it. uh, But I do think this is a valid way of doing it and I like it enough. I don't love it, but I certainly don't hate it either.
1: That's really well said. I, I I didn't know what you were gonna say about that, to be honest. And I I'm kind of indifferent. I was is kind of, it definitely left me kind of anticlimactic a yeah. little bit. I guess I, I that, it,
0: it wasn't anticlimactic to me because I didn't really, I never cared that much how he lost the eye. <laughs> like I just well,
1: I, I mean I didn't necessarily either. But the fact that it was Goose the cat and it just kind of eh. but Goose at the, the same flirting, time, But yeah, whatever, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> but so. But the fact that he did – he does say that. I remember him saying that. I'm going to trust him not to eat me. You're right. You could go back to that. But you also brought up – I think your your, your best point, Sean, was the fact that this guy is built on lies. Mm -hmm. And what does Tony Stark say to Nick Fury and Avengers? I'm sorry, Nick. What were you lying? Yep. And so that's a great point. That's a great point that he – we have to know – that we cannot trust what Nick Fury says at, at his word because it is not necessarily going to be accurate. So with that being said, I think you're right, that there's no, there's no way we can really uh, – we can't really trust what he says in Winter Soldier. But I think the reason we all love it in Winter Soldier is because – Winter soldiers is one of the better MCU films. And Nick Fury is such a great presence in that film that we just want it to be. We want it to have a significance because of how Nick Fury says that and and how he uses the eye in the film. There's. There's lots of cool stuff in in it that I think that why people have built it up. You know, just in general, Nick Fury. Always kind of wonder. I, I don't even know in the six sixteen universe how the original Nick Fury from the from the Howling Commandos and from, from back in the day, how he had the uh, lost his eyes. I, I don't know, and I've always thought it'd be interesting to find out, but I never really wa- needed to find out either. But I could totally understand people being wanting to know because I I like to know that stuff too, but. At the same time, you made a great point. So this guy is going to use everything he can for leverage to win people over to convince him what he needs to, you know, to do. Well, he's going to so, let
0: he's going to let people believe the legend about him because he I, knows that there's, you know, he knows there's value in that. He knows there's value in the legend, and he knows there's value in people being intimidated by him for whatever reason. Like it's, you have to feed, you know, you have to go ahead and and lean into that.
1: Right. So, with one of the things that kind of, can I get into nitpicks now? Is that all right to do?
0: Uh, let's see. Is there anything else we, I mean, I know what your nitpick is. And so I got a couple <laughs> of nitpicks. I got a couple okay. of nitpicks. Well, I know, I know your biggest, uh, nitpick. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think. All right. Well, let's just get into it. And then if we feel like we've forgotten anything else, then we'll, we'll dive yeah. into it.
1: All right. So, um, which actually, there is one thing. Actually, before we get nitpicks, there's one, there's one thing I will say that, that you, everyone knows that I'm one of the biggest critique critiquers, if that's even a word. I'm not sure if it is, about... It is now. It's costume. <laughs> it is now. It is now. It. I'm going to trademark that right now. No. <laughs> there is the costume. Costumes, if you will. Okay. People do I'm very critical of those because that is one of the reasons what, that stands superhero films from regular action films and... and all that stuff. Sure, and and I will say I was very very happy with everything of the costumes. I thought the creed looked fantastic. Yep, the scrolls looked fantastic. I felt Rodin looks. I will say Rodin looks weird without the the blue the darker blue around his eyes. I kind of missed that to be honest. But yeah, still, but that's he when he goes
0: weird. in. Uh, that's when he's in full zealot mode, and he's not. He's not. There he's not. This.
1: I know. I know. But so. But that being said. I thought Captain Marvel's costume was awesome, both uh both of uh both versions. I love the helmet. Oh Lord, I love the helmet. Yep. I thought she looks fantastic. I I just want her to wear the helmet like, on the reg. Like I just I only want her to wear the helmet. So I and I guess when she went full on like you know, full on I'm gonna destroy everything mode or yeah, whatever you want to call mode. it. Excuse me. Uh I loved that scene and that she looked am- she looked amazing in it. So, yeah, I just wanted to wear the helmet on the rig. I, did- I think she looks fantastic in it. So, uh yeah, the costume was great. I didn't love and we'll get into the nitpicks a little bit. How she got the red and blue costume? That's such a nit more of a nitpick, but uh yeah, I thought the costumes were great. So, I want to throw that in there really fast. They're great. Uh,
0: I didn't mind how they got. I didn't mind how she got the costume. And I actually liked it better than like she was going to do something where she like took her costume and like dyed it or something. (laughs) Like I I actually like I'm like, well, it's Kree and she has all kinds of crazy tech that we've seen throughout the film. And they have all kinds of things that we don't have access to. So if she can just change, you know, the visual appearance of her suit, um, then cool. I didn't mind that. Yeah, didn't and I, all I cared about was the costume looked great. The Cree suit looked awesome. And Starforce yeah, looked yeah. great. Because I think we did that's one thing we did kind of gloss over. Uh you mentioned you know, people didn't like the some people said whatever on YouTube or whatever that they didn't like the uh they didn't like the opening sequence and, and going into Torfa, but like I love that man. Like I that was love that. that was oh. so good. Mm-hmm. That was the there's a shot, by the way, one of my favorite shots in the movie. Is when they first get to Torfa, it's the Accusers' ships just going through these clouds. Like, it looks just so damn cool. And uh, I love that those Accusers' ships, by the way, they actually are smaller versions of, it. in terms of shape, they're very much like Ronan's eventual very large ship in Guardians of the Galaxy, the Dark Aster. So I love that touch that, like, he's, that his, that it just shows that, like, his idea, his design, you know, sensibilities for a ship are still very much in line with uh, being one of the accusers for the Kree. So, that part I really like. Yeah, that whole sequence on Torfa, that's again where I'm talking, that's like classic, like science fiction uh, creature feature kind of thing yeah. with the way the scrolls mm-hmm. are revealed and all that. Like, I loved that. That was all Same. so great. And the fact that, you can go and look at like behind the scenes photos and stuff like they built, you know, there's a set for that. Like they didn't just, uh, you know, that's not a, a ton of green screen all over the place. Like you could tell they were actually really in a physical space and, and making use mm-hmm. of that. And, and it was awesome. So yeah, I don't have, uh, that's, that's definitely one thing I wanted to praise. Cause I know we kind of hinted that we both liked that earlier, but we didn't really call it out and how like just. Yeah. Inarguably awesome it was. I don't care if somebody else argued against it. It's it's so awesome. I love that opening.
1: Yeah. Well, and 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 since you brought up Star Force, let's bring up let's say Minerva and, and and Von Rog and all that stuff. So
0: Yon Rog, not Von Rog, but
1: is it Von Rog? Which, how do you say his name? I don't even know what yeah, his Y-O-N. name. Yeah, Y O N. Von Von. Yeah. Same difference. <laughs> uh I I don't. So Yon Rog. Excuse me. Yeah. Okay. No, I I loved Jude Law. He I wasn't loved, in the Albert uh, and
0: Landmine run, so you probably don't know they, him.
1: Yeah, I, do, I don't. We we read him a little bit. I know he's in that in that comic we read for uh, Captain Marvel, but I'm that's surprised. About I was it. so
0: surprised he made the cut in the movie because even though he is, uh, you know, and this was. I mean, I knew that he was Jan rogg a while ago. I mean, you could, you could have walked into Hot Topic months ago and saw that his name was Jan rogg or picked up a Hasbro Marvel Legends figure, uh, but and it was known before then. But I was kind of surprised that he even got included in this, because even though he is there at the center of Carol Danvers' origin of getting her powers in the comic books, outside of that, he's still a very obscure character, which I shouldn't be surprised yeah. about Marvel including uh, obscure characters, but I wouldn't have blamed them if they went with a, a bigger villain for this.
1: Yeah, well, it was it's, it's a bummer because Dr. Minerva, who's a pretty, you know, no, nah, I wouldn't say she's, you know, She's kind of a minor character still, but for for Captain Marvel, Miss Marvel, she's one of his one of her main uh, uh, enemies, and she's in this. And I just was in love with Minerva every time she was on screen, and was devastated when they quote unquote killed her off. It's almost part of my nitpicks, but that's another example
0: the- of Marvel finding an actor too early.
1: Yeah, because they, uh, they cast yeah. her in
0: this and then she blows up in Crazy Rich Asians. So no pun intended because she blows up in this movie. But, uh, <sighs> you know, obviously Crazy Rich Asians takes off. They had already shot Captain Marvel at this point in time. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely don't think Gemma Chan is somebody who should have been used for a, a one-off role like this. Uh, that, mm-hmm. I mean, it, I don't. it's not like... Uh, a horrible sin to kill Minerva. She's not a major character in the comics, so for her to be a one-and-done villain, okay, fine. Uh, but yeah, they're probably going to regret that you know that they used Gemma Chan this way. Although I would say she's buried under so much blue makeup that she's not really that recognizable. So yeah. I would say if you have another role that you could use her in, go ahead and do it. Uh, off the top of my head, she would have been an awesome Circe in Eternals, by the way. Oh, uh, yeah. Gemma Chan I mean, would have been awesome point. for that. Uh depending on what all they want to do with that character, but just based on the comic books, I think Gemma Chan would be would have been a great fit yeah. for that. Uh but oh well. well it it is what it is. They can bring now, her back.
1: Yeah, it they I, can
0: bring her back. I don't think they would bring her back that soon. Like Eternals is like going into production well, this no, 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 year, no, no. coming out next year. Other
1: Minerva. Other Minerva. I thought Minerva. I thought Minerva. I hope so. there could be there could be an I mean, eject button, maybe.
0: I mean she is Kree, so I mean she could theoretically survive an explosion. So yeah, yeah I, I'm I'm on board with that. I I'm on board with the uh the Min- Minerva survived the crash theory because I, yeah. I would love to see her come back.
1: I'm am a Minerva truther, uh, so but yeah, I, I I think there's always a possibility with that. But I really like Star Force. I uh, liked all the action uh, yep. for the most part. So I I thought the action scenes were all well done. And yeah, so going to my some very very again these I think these are pretty minute uh nitpicks from in, in my opinion, and I'll probably have more of them than you sean, but i I'm, I'm not sure, but I'm curious what you what you'll think of of my nitpicks and as we trade them here sure so the 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 one that i i i I teased on Twitter that I thought Sean would get he didn't get that's the only thing I told him about before we went on the show. the only reason I didn't get
0: it is because. I thought you wouldn't be mad about it because I thought you had heard the same thing I had heard that made me not mad about it. But go ahead. No, I think
1: you- I I don't even know if you told me or me. I might have forgot. Already, no, you totally but...
0: forgot because I explained it to you. With it's a, okay, I, I, I got it. I got a text okay. thread. I got receipts of this. <laughs> this
1: conversation. I, I totally forgot. I told. I totally forgot. Oh yeah. So and this, by gonna... the
0: way, like because some people are like. Wait a minute. I thought you said that you don't know what Paul thinks. I just yeah, took. He doesn't. I don't. I, I didn't know his overall assessment, but because he said I probably knew his his main like nitpick that. You know, we talked uh, very briefly about that. Yes, uh, but that was it. Not his overall assessment of the film,
1: and that is correct. I want to make that very clear. He did not have any idea, because but I had to. He I had to see if he knew. I'm like, he has to know this, and he had no idea. So I was, and I was a little, sur- little surprised. But anyway, my nitpick, and you can explain, Sean, that I already forgot th- about it was the Supreme Intelligence. My, and I have a, I have a legitimate. Reason why, and there, and I didn't really get into it on the, on the phone, so you can see why I'd be a little bit more irritable when I left the theater. Sure. So, the supreme intelligence we all know if you read the comic books that it's a weird, crazy, Kirby looking giant green head that's the supreme intelligence, yep. and it's r- super, super sci fi. And we know that it's Annette Benning's character. We all know that we can, you know, no one can, can view the supreme intelligence intelligences true form because of it would, you wouldn't be able to comprehend it. Now, I totally got that. and I was totally fine with it, but one of the things I was anticipating was when Carol breaks free of the Cree brainwashing mm-hmm. and that she faces the supreme intelligence at the very end and she basically stands up for herself, I could have sworn that they were, while she was fighting back against it that she would have saw a glimpse, not like it would all of a sudden have been in front of her for a good five minutes, but she would have like at, when when things are starting to start to break free, she would have saw the supreme intelligence for what it really was was as this grotesque giant green floating head of of what it is and what it represents as the as the heart of the Kree as this kind of manipulating evil thing, if you will. And again, it would also because I, I, I was I thought for sure they were setting it up because I thought well. Because not only is Carol going to stand up for herself in, against this thing, she'll be like the first person to see the supreme intelligence once she breaks free of the mind-washing, uh, whatever. And she's like, yeah, uh, brainwashed. And she's like – I get, and, and because she's so much stronger now, she finally – she can see what it is because she's standing up for herself and being her true self, if that makes any sense. So I felt they were like that was all perfect and, and great and then it didn't happen. I was like, dang it. And I remember at the dang I all, and all, I just think, dang it. So I remember thinking at the very end of the end of the post credit scene, which we got it was Goose instead. I really thought maybe the Supreme Intelligence will show up there in its true form, like maybe. Yon-Rogg will show up and be like we failed and he's like blah, 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 <laughs> something like that but well, no but Yon-Rogg
0: doesn't get to see the supreme intelligence in its true form either
1: I know I, but I thought maybe because of Carol breaking free of it may have damaged it in some ways or something so see,
0: I think I, but I understand yeah. the restraint though like I totally get where you're coming from and like we talked about this you know you can hear us talk about it in a, a few episodes ago we talked about the importance of the Supreme Intelligence, although I don't know if that was a Patreon thing or on the main show. Uh, if it's not on the main show, you can find it at patreon.com/slash Marvel Studios News. But <laughs> the 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 main point here is that Paul and I both very much wanted a giant green floating head. We wanted that in this movie, or at least want it to be. We want that to be the Supreme Intelligence. The, 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 the ugh, can't talk the Supreme Intelligence in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's what we wanted. Um, which is not to say we should get everything we want from the comics, but that was just one that both that he and I agreed on that we were both very much uh in favor of seeing at some point in the MCU. And so with the idea that we don't see the Supreme Intelligence, it takes the place it takes the form of Annette Benning, who of course is Wendy Lawson, who is Marvell, and I actually totally love her as Marvell and and also actually loved her as the Supreme Intelligence. Uh, I talked about this Babe. on one of the Q and A shows we did, like I did not know that I needed to see in my life Annette Benning dancing in a leather jacket while listening to Nirvana. I didn't know that that was a cool thing that I wanted to see in my life, but there it was in the movie and I enjoyed the hell out of that moment. Uh, but yeah, like it was as far as the Supreme intelligence taking that form, I was okay with it. And I was put at ease right away before we even saw the Supreme intelligence because when they're on the way to the Supreme intelligence, Jan Rog tells Carol, That no one sees the supreme intelligence in its true form, which means it has a true form that we may eventually get to see. And I was okay with not seeing it in this film because I think if you show it in this movie, then it becomes, as you said, it would have been different if it was, I wouldn't have wanted to see it before the credits. And Agreed. Because that would have mm-hmm. been like seeing Thanos and Avengers before the credits. You wouldn't want that because it takes over the story at that point. If it's, a, if it's a tag, then it doesn't really take over the whole story. So yeah, if they wanted to do it in a mid-credit scene or post-credit scene, that would have been a fine place to do it. But I'm also okay with the point that they didn't because we've established in this movie that Carol still has beef with the Supreme Intelligence. But I, I think they handled it just the right way because they weren't going to resolve the issue with the Supreme Intelligence in this film. So you should only go so far with that. You can tease that there's something else out there or that there's going to be more to this story, but you don't want to go too far because then you're almost uh, devaluing the story you are telling and the antagonist that you do have in this film with Jan Rog and Jan Rog just fits into that theme of of Carol Danvers and how she's always been underestimated and that idea of uh you know of which i think a lot of women have to deal with of men in powerful positions who might be who should be mentor figures for them talking about emotion and acting as if getting emotional is what's uh, is what's uh, limiting their power and that's absolutely not a truth at all it wasn't Carol's truth that was just something Jan Rog would do to manipulate her so that that, because she was already stronger than him, this whole idea that she needed to be able to control her power. No, she just, he just made that up so that she couldn't just whoop his ass because he knew the entire time that she could whoop his ass, which is why it's such a great moment when he says, Turn off the light show. And she's like, Nah, dog, boom, hit you with a photon blast, drag your ass back to the ship and send you to Hala. Like all that stuff I thought worked so great. So Jan Rog doesn't go down, I think, is one of the all time great mcu antagonists or one of the great uh most entertaining mcu villains but he very much fit carol's story and so i think it was yeah. it was smart to keep the focus on him and then let's deal with the supreme intelligence later uh because i think there's i mean there's so much you could do now with the with the supreme intelligence um and hell maybe the supreme intelligence shows up in Endgame. i don't know uh oh dude <laughs> i mean oh. i don't know i don't know Maybe maybe the, maybe the Kree are another threat or you know an issue uh, in, in Endgame. end game. I have no idea, and that's not me saying that that's gonna happen. I have no idea, but maybe it's maybe it's there. Maybe it's in a Captain Marvel sequel. Maybe it's in some other cosmic thing that happens later on in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But the the true form of the Supreme Intelligence has not yet been revealed. But there is one, and so I'll just cling to the hope that one day we will see that true form. That maybe. Carol after fighting her way through the cree and everybody else that she will come face to face come face to giant floating face with the supreme mm. intelligence like that that we, she will be maybe the first to see the first and whoever knows how long to see the supreme intelligence in its true form and uh you know and then it could be this big it can be this big cool moment you know this big cool cosmic mm. moment uh that we've built to so if that's what it is then I'm totally going to be I'm totally going to be fine with it so right now uh, I'm, I'm happy enough to just be patient with what we were, what we've learned about the Supreme Intelligence so far uh, in this first Captain Marvel film.
1: Yeah, that that, and that's well said. And I, I do remember you telling me all that, and that that made more sense. So it's it's a that's a nitpick. Uh, other nitpicks, I'm gonna go with some of the. I think some of the. I think there was a lot of writers on this movie and I felt that kind of showed at times things kind of felt uneven for me. Like not everything hit – like you you talked about it. Like there was not everything it – it's not like it's a surefire perfect film. There's a couple things here and there and I think having the so many different writers and the two different directors – and again, I'm not sure if this, these two directors were a team from before yeah. like the Russo yeah, no, brothers. They're,
0: they're a team. They're, they're oh, they directing are a directing team okay. just like the Russo. So it's not – it's. It's. I don't think it's a difference in their vision. I do think there are only three uh, writers on the screenplay. It's Anna Boden, Ryan Fleck, and Geneva robertson Uh They are credited for the screenplay, but there's a lot of people on the story. Uh Because right. this originally started with Nicole Perlman and Meg Lefave, Uh and then I think it's added a few since then. I don't know who, I can't remember off the top of my head, who all ended up with a story credit there uh, as the credits were rolling in the film. Yeah, it's there were a fair amount of writers who've worked on this film. And, and so, yeah, there that's where I think some of the, the seams show a little bit in the film. I don't think it's bad, but I do think there's, you know, some small instances right. of it.
1: Yeah. And I think that they definitely are there. And I think that kind of honestly, in my opinion, it shows in a little bit of the performance of, of of Brie Larson because it because it is there's so many different things are going in and out of it just, it just kind of seemed like yeah. there was some weird dir-
0: editing to me. That's direction, not performance. Like.
1: I, I would agree. And I would agree. And I would totally agree with that. And that's where, cause cause I liked her character for most, most of the film. And that's where I think where some people aren't liking her performance. They're blaming her. I'm going to blame that on the direction a little bit more than her, than the, than her performance. Because for the most part, I liked her performance and I felt she did a great job. So yeah, I, I definitely feel like it was a little inconsistent at times. And I definitely feel that that wasn't necessarily on her. So I think that like great point, Sean, the, the, you see a little bit of the seams a little bit more because of that. Cause when I saw the credits and I saw so many people on the story and everything, I'm like, man, there's a lot of people in this movie. And I felt like, yeah, it, it made a little more sense that everyone, there's a lot of people had their hands in it and a little too much. It seemed like, um, you see uh, a couple other, again, these are nitpicks, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, uh, for what else I, I, there was a couple things here and there. I thought the nineties nostalgia was a little too much and, and I'm all for nostalgia. I'm all for, I love eighties. Maybe I, I, cause I'm, I grew up mainly as an eighties kid and is where I, I became an adult. And then, uh, basically almost an adult in the nineties, but the nineties, I don't know if it's too close or too what, but there's a couple things that just really bothered me. Cause the nineties aren't that cool. <laughs> <laughs> really aren't but no but but there's some cool stuff in the 90s no, 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 wrong. No, it was. I, I didn't mind uh, I didn't mind it at first like the blockbuster thing the radio chat thing it's like, okay it's cute it's, you know funny wink wink nod nod ha 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 but what really started to bother me was at the end and when they started playing no doubt I'm just a girl that really bothered me And it, and it's just because I felt it was out of place and it felt this wasn't it just it just didn't feel right to me it just kind of seemed. I I wanted during that scene where Carol's kicking the crap out of Star Force, I think there should have been a more because the score wasn't bad. I don't remember. I remember the score wasn't like I don't remember it vividly from my mind, but I definitely don't think it was bad. And I felt like it should have been more of a cool like action score there instead of getting no doubt. I'm just a girl. Or whatever it's called, and I just it just felt very out of place and just didn't really resonate with me. And the other thing that bothered me was the fact that "Smells Like Teen Spirit" is in that scene with the Supreme Intelligence. Well, it's not and Carol. "Smells
0: Like Teen Spirit," but
1: or uh, what, what, what song is it? Is it or probably... "Come As You Are." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come as you are. Yeah, I'm sorry. But the thing is, this what year did this is it supposed to take place? Because Carol's been gone for six years. Mm-hmm. She, she, she disappeared in
0: '89. This is in '95.
1: Yeah, so that she would have missed that song completely because it came out in 91, I believe. So anyway, I'm splitting hairs here. So uh, that was, because as soon as it came out, I went, no, 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 no. She wouldn't know that song. She'd have zero connection to it. Yeah, I so, think
0: that I, we talk. I was a guest on the Slash Film Daily podcast and we were talking about some of the needle drops in there. And yeah, we we talked about that point that how would Carol know that song if it came out two years after she disappeared. And and it is clear in the movie, by the way, that the, that the song comes from Carol. It's not from the Supreme intelligence because yeah. the Supreme intelligence says, Oh, the music, that's a nice touch as if Carol is the one who added it. So all they have to do if they want to play the song is have her hear it. And so yes. at any point mm-hmm. in the movie, have her hear it, mm-hmm. just yeah. have her hear it. That's it.
1: Well said. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
0: Or, and here's the like, you know, this is just the Marvel Studios nerd in me who's ready to defend this and put forth a rational argument as to how it works. We know this isn't exactly our world. It's like our universe, but it's not our universe. We don't have a President Ellis, and they do. So maybe in this universe, Come As You Are came out a little bit before 1991. In the in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, that is technically possible. So uh, I don't really have, it's not, that's why, again, it's it's totally a nitpick. I don't really mind it, uh, but I think the, the general sense that I have, and I also thought the Just a Girl needle drop, it's another thing where I would not have minded it if the music was happening in the story. It, yeah, so like,
1: like it was playing overhead and, yeah, they, and they, were, uh, well, they were fighting. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: I think it was uh, Hoi Trambui, uh goes by HT on the show. She pointed out that, like, somebody I think it was her who pointed out, or maybe it was one of the Brad or, or Peter on that show that I was on, but they pointed out how, like, somebody literally collides with the jukebox two seconds after the song starts playing. So just have the jukebox be the thing. Although it would be the same issue, by the way, though, because the jukebox, if nobody was visiting the space, that that laboratory since 1989, how would they have, no doubts, just a girl on the jukebox? So it would beg that same question as come as you are being part of Carol scene with the Supreme Intelligence. But I wish it was, it just felt weird. I mean, it's not, once it started playing, it was actually kind of fine. And I didn't mind that it wasn't like an epic score for this battle with star force, because I mean, tonally they were kind of having fun with it. I mean, Minerva shoots her in the head with a Nerf gun. So like we weren't getting into like the Epic cause we were still going to have the Epic superhero score moment. And we got it with yeah, yeah. Uh, when Carol went full binary. So I'm like, I'm okay with, um, you know, with, with not necessarily treating that moment as, as big and Epic and whatever. That's totally, uh, I thought that part was totally okay. I think the it's just the it's almost more of a sound mixing thing because like the score actually is kind of building and then all of a sudden and then it just feels like it just sort of drops out. And here comes the song. So it's just the way it's mixed in that I didn't totally uh, I didn't totally love it. Uh, one of my nitpicks actually is the score, not because the score is bad. I think Pinar to- uh, Toprak's score is really, really good. I love the little sci-fi music that she has in there. Like, it just sells that tone that I've been talking about on this show forever now. But, like, I, I love that, um, and I love the kind of hero score. The only thing I would say that's maybe my criticism, my criticism of the score is I couldn't tell you definitively, like, I couldn't, like, hum it for you. What is Captain Marvel's hero theme?
1: Yeah, same. It wasn't you know, bad. Like,
0: I, I never when I Go I ahead, mean sorry. I know the music sounds great in the in the scene where she goes like full binary and it starts sounding more like a superhero movie, but the theme just isn't Now, I say this cuz I've only listened to the score in the movie. I haven't listened to the score separately yet. But in the movie I should still be able to hear it in a very like it should be very clear like what Carol's music cue is, and I don't think it's as clear as it could have or perhaps should have been. Like, Black Panther last year, I come out of that movie, I know what T'Challa's music is, or at least what Wakanda's music is. So when I hear it again in Infinity War two months later, you know, like, and that's why myself and everybody who was watching the movie at the time, like, cheers, because you hear that music and you're like, okay, here comes Black Panther. So I don't know what the music is that people are supposed to hear and say, okay, here comes Captain Marvel, and I absolutely believe that this is a character as the most powerful hero in the MCU who deserves a very clear and iconic hero theme.
1: Yeah, there wasn't. Yeah. I, I didn't think it was bad. I, I never, I never thought it was. The thing with Marvel Studios films uh, scores is that there, there very few of them are memorable to me outside of the Avengers theme. Uh, with the exception of Black Panther, I felt the Black Panther theme was, has a very distinct theme and it was very well done. But all the other scores are pretty forgettable, with the exception of maybe Thor: Ragnarok, with um, the guy from Devo doing it, which was 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 good. But it was a little more like retro, and I I tend to love synths and and keyboards and things like that, which is definitely more that style in Ragnarok. But other than that, like I very rarely remember a lot of the themes from these films and. But yeah, but Captain Marvel, I never thought it was bad or anything like that. Or I never felt there was anything you know overly memorable either. So, but again, I, I've only seen it once. So once I see it again, maybe I'll I'll think more of the score at that point. So, but yeah, um, as far as my nitpicks, that's pretty much. Oh, I have one. I have one last nitpick, Sean. One last nitpick. Okay. It's 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 very minor, and you're probably gonna roll your eyes at me, but I'm sorry, uh, Monica or uh, Rambo. Is that mm-hmm. her name, little girl? Yeah, she's terrible. She's oh, terrible. you're wrong. I'm sorry. Oh, she's you're terrible. straight up
0: wrong. She's awesome. I'm sorry.
1: No, she's terrible. I couldn't. Oh. Like, I felt like all the scenes with her and, and Bree were so cringeworthy for me. And oh man, it, I'm,
0: I'm I, not I, with you even a
1: little bit. I knew you. I knew you wouldn't be. But that's fine. That's, but if people are like me, that's cool. I, you feel my pain. If you aren't like me, I'm sorry but i just i every time she was on with her i was like get her out of here please so anyway that's just again very minor and, and i was talking to my good friend dave aka father's figures on instagram go follow him he takes great pictures he said it best i, I wasn't for you paul and i'm like you're right you're right that so, that is very much true and 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 that is very much why i have to say it's a nitpick otherwise i'd be a full on i didn't like this aspect of the movie and when he said that he nailed it, and I kind of you know <laughs> bite my tongue and be like, you know what? So that's why I'm gonna put under nitpicks. She's not in the movie that much, just the scenes to get. They just didn't seem like they had chemistry, in my opinion. It just didn't work for me. But that's just my opinion. Like I said, it wasn't for me. And if little if little girls loved it and kids loved it, whatever, then that's that's awesome. And I and then I will definitely shut my mouth and just carry on. So that's why I'm gonna put put it under nitpicks. So I'm done talking about that, Sean. All
0: right. I thought she was great, and uh, I think one aspect we haven't spent enough time on is—I uh, I mean, I mentioned it before—but uh, Lashana Lynch as Maria Rambo, she is so awesome in this movie. And I, I have noticed, you know, that there's a certain amount of energy that kind of that's picked up in the theater, you know, when she comes into the story, you know, when she starts off with like the first line we hear from her—not when she first sees Carol, but and you know, it cuts to them in the kitchen. She's like, "That's the craziest shit I've ever heard." And everybody just kind of starts laughing. And I feel like that's, I feel like she plays such a vital role because, you know, there's been so much cosmic weirdness and mystery and, and science and sci fi and, sci-fi and all the stuff around this story up until this point. And so, and, and Nick Fury, I mean, is kind of, he's kind of representing the audience too in a way because he's unfamiliar with these things. But Nick Fury also has a lot of things that are very much of his own world with spies and all this stuff. So to have maria rambo just come in and be like this is just some crazy ass shit you're just like yeah okay she gets it uh but there's i mean great scenes between her and carol like when when carol's saying like you know this is hard and she says you think this is hard no like hard is like losing my friend and it's the whole thing's a big cover-up and everybody's pretending like it didn't happen no and and her knowing like i knew you were out there too stubborn to die that part as well as the scene between um after after Carol remembers everything that happened, how she got her powers, the you know her last moments with Lawson before she was killed or Marvel before Yon Rog showed up and killed her, and then when uh, when Maria Rambo gives her that speech of how you were the most powerful person, you know you're the most powerful woman I knew, and that was before you know you had your your superpowers or whatever. So like I I love that she was so great in this movie, and it's one of those situations where just by the nature of this being a prequel, it creates that issue of, oh man, like I still hope we get to see more of this character somehow. And, and I don't know some of that's going to depend on where the, when actually not where, but when the sequel is going to be set because I mean, and this is something that we can have a whole other discussion about, but I mean, you would presume, or for a long time, I just presumed that the second Captain Marvel film would have happened after event would, uh, would take place post Avengers Endgame, But I mean, it seems like there's things that Carol has plans to do right away that could be, uh, that could be provide great stories to tell. And, and obviously maybe some of that could still involve Maria Rambo. I mean, it's not, it's not definite that this is Carol's first time back on, earth, you know, the Endgame is going to be Carol's first time going back to earth. Uh, we don't know that for sure. Uh, maybe something else has happened and we just don't know about it yet. So, Uh, But anyway, Lashana Lynch was fantastic in this movie. I thought everybody in the cast, they were great in this movie, including uh, Talos' science guy. He was also pretty awesome. So uh, overall, I think uh, we'll sum it up. I know we haven't talked about the post credit scene and the mid credit scene and all that stuff. Um, Although I will say we also didn't talk that much about Goose. I'll just say I really liked Goose. I, I didn't.
1: The Goose was fine. But yeah.
0: Goose is not like the show stealer for me the way that maybe he is Sand. for other people. It's not because I don't like cats, I like cats just fine. But I'm here for the superheroes, not the cats. So like, you know, The Flurkins. I'm I'm always, yeah, you're right. Yeah, uh, so I am ah. I am here for, you know, Captain Marvel and for Skrulls more so than yes. I am a Flurkin. So as much as I enjoyed the Flurkin, thought the Flurkin was great. I uh, had no issues there, thought it was all fun and, and thought the whole beats with the Flurkin actually being the Flurican and eating the Tesseract. We also didn't talk about the fact that the Tesseract is in this movie. Um oh,
1: that was awesome. That yeah, was cool. Gr- no, I, I would love not it. Great, that.
0: great touch. Uh I knew about that a while before the movie came out, but yeah, like it was uh it was still great to actually see it. Uh yeah, I absolutely I I loved the uh I I love the inclusion of the Tesseract here. I think it's awesome. Uh, there's overall, this whole movie is awesome. I really love Captain Marvel. Uh, I'm not like, we're not going to like sum this up by saying, here's where I rank it in the MCU. I mean, I'm really getting past the idea of ranking these movies anyway, just, this is another really great movie in the Marvel cinematic universe that I really, really love and that I've been enjoying a lot and I've been enjoying it for a lot of different reasons. You know, some that are just more superficial and purely entertaining, some that are you know that are very moving and you know very emotional and so I, I've been I've been uh, a big fan of this film for the past few weeks since I first saw it and I, I imagine I will continue to be a big fan of this film for the rest of my days I guess I mean I don't know I, I really love Captain Marvel uh, this is an awesome addition to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and I also love by the way where this fits in the MCU. Not just in terms of the bigger timeline, but I'm talking about our own timeline, those of us going and seeing these movies. I love that this is the last movie before Avengers Endgame because Sam, we yeah. this is a perfect time to find out where Avenger Initiative came from. It's a perfect time to see another, you know, another step where the Tesseract, the Space Stone was involved in the MCU. So I love all of that in uh, this movie. Overall, I think this is a really, really, really great film. I understand not everybody feels that way. Uh, most of the reviews are positive. It got an A Cinema score, had a massive opening weekend, so there's no question that it's a a very successful film. That discussion is over. Uh, but I know that even for a lot of the positive reviews, there were some people who, while they liked the movie, maybe they didn't quite love the movie. And to each their own, I'm not here to challenge how everybody else feels and how they connected to the movie or didn't. Uh, hopefully, you just understand after listening to this, why I love the movie and why Paul feels the way that he does about the movie, because that's really all we can do. We're not trying Mm -hmm. to debunk anybody else's opinion or take on any of these movies. Uh, But I love Captain Marvel for all the reasons that I have articulated on this show. Uh, as well as that I articulate over at patreon.com slash Studios News, and for other reasons that maybe I wasn't smart enough to know how to articulate just yet, or didn't remember to articulate in these shows. But the good news is, the podcast keeps going, and Captain Marvel is sure to come up again and again in the future.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I, I really like this movie. I'm looking forward to seeing it again soon. I, I'm going to try to come out this weekend to see it. And again, not easy always for me to, to see these movies twice, but Yeah. I, I'm looking forward to watching this again, definitely on 4K when it comes out. And uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Yep.
0: And we are going to talk about the mid credit and post credit scenes for Captain Marvel. Uh, that's going to take place on our post credit scene, known as the Patreon credit scene. Uh, so, the Patreon credit scene for episode 112 will be our discussion around what we saw in the credits for Captain Marvel. So that's just one of many exclusives that you can find at patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. The Patreon credit scenes are available for just a dollar a month, and that also gives you access to this main show 24 hours before the rest of the internet. So hopefully you check that out. And then you can also find us everywhere socially. You can find us on the website, marvelstudiosnews.com, Facebook and Instagram at Marvel Studios News and on Twitter at Marvel Newscast. Paul, where can they find you and try to get, where can they go if they want to ask you about your thoughts on a movie that you're not going to share until we do the podcast?
1: You can find me on Twitter at Herman22, a.k.a. Thug. and I probably won't talk my thoughts too much about this movie until probably be a while. So people, if you want to know, if you want to educate other, other people asking me, go ahead and tell them. Check out the show. So yeah, I'll be uh, I'll eventually talk about it publicly, but yeah. we'll wait till the show goes out there for a little bit.
0: Yep. Paul's our very own Kevin Feige in that way of answering questions <laughs> without saying any, without saying anything. <laughs> so, it's a skill. It's a skill, and you it's should. A, be, it's fun. Yeah, you should be proud of it. Yeah. Uh, right. And you can find me if you would like to for any reason. Don't know why. It's at, <laughs> at Mr. Sean Gerber, Sean spelled S E A N, on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, But that's it for this episode. So for Paul, for Marvel Studios News, I'm Sean. Thanks for listening. Higher, further, faster. We'll see you next time.